श्री गुरुवशनाब गुरु परंपरा की जाए और भक्तवृंद की जाए गुरु प्रेम नंदे गुड इवनिंग वेलकम ऑन टू स्पीक फ्रॉम द श्रीमद् भागवत गीता You're all familiar with Bhagavad Gita, okay? and um, I want to speak from what Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, one of our great um, saints in our tradition, has uh, termed the four essential verses of Bhagavad Gita. He feels that they represent the essential uh, teaching. And the farthest reach, if you will, of the sermon of Krishna uh, at Kurukshetra. Y el alcance extremo de lo que es la charla de Krishna en Kurukshetra. It is a sermon about about Dharma. Sobre el Dharma. Dharma means a number of different things. Dharma quiere decir muchas cosas. The, uh, the general meaning is is a kind of a religious uh, uh, obligation. In human life, we, the uh, the, the Hindus, uh, felt that human life was a time in which we lived or should live with with gratitude. Los hindúes sentían que la vida humana es un periodo en el que se da vivir con gratitud. Acknowledging that. Um, Our livelihood was uh, such that it was dependent on other factors. Powerful aspects of the macrocosm of, of, of nature um, we as kind of a microcosm of nature are dependent upon. Por ejemplo, si nosotros para ver necesitamos sol. ¿Me entiendes? So, es parecido para todos los sentidos. Some aspect, we are dependent upon some aspect of nature for them to function. Indeed, they and themselves are part of nature. Dependemos de algún aspecto de la naturaleza para funcionar. Y de hecho, ellos mismos son personas de la naturaleza, parte de la naturaleza. So the Hindus uh, felt that in human life uh, this should be acknowledged. Entonces, 
It's uh, not, by contrast, the time to acknowledge that in animal time or in insect time or amphibian time, if you will. Durante el periodo pasado como insectos o animales, no, no, no pasa eso de reconocer que tenemos que tener gratitud. In these less complex forms of life, there's, there's no time for that. The struggle for existence is more apparent. The fact that uh, beings of this world are um, hunters and hunted is more apparent in the less complex forms of life. It's true also in human life. But we, in human time, we have a little time to think about this. And to try to make a solution. We try to, in human life, we have the opportunity to do some things voluntarily. Rather than merely by the brute force of nature's, uh, of the nature of our situation. You follow me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In human life, we can say please, say thank you. We can say, excuse me, you first. Mm-hmm. So the fact that we are a unit of, of will mm-hmm. becomes more apparent in, in human time. Entonces, durante el periodo pasado como humanos, It's often thought that humans are differentiated from the less complex forms of life by the fact that they have uh, intelligence. We would say that more so we are differentiated from the less complex forms of life because we have some freedom to love, to do something voluntarily. Nature's force or influence upon us is somewhat relaxed in human time. Nature gives us time to think. It is said that, in another sense, nature wakes up to the fact that it has a soul in the form of human life. In the less complex forms of life, there's obviously awareness and perception of pain and pleasure. 
claro que hay una, una percepción del placer y del dolor. But in human life, beyond perception of pain and, and pleasure, there's an acute sense of self. Pero, sin embargo, en la vida humana, además de esta percepción de placer y dolor, también hay un sentido de ser. Self-awareness. Percepción de sí mismo. Hmm? I often say that, welcome, that, uh, that, that in human life the question, the unique question in human life, as opposed to, say, animal life, is why instead of merely how. Como digo siempre, lo que distingue los seres humanos de los animales es que los seres humanos se preguntan por qué, en vez de simplemente cómo, como hacen los animales. In one sense, human life itself is a question. De una forma, la vida humana misma es una, una pregunta. Why am I? Por qué soy, por qué existo. We are meaning-seeking. Somos, en, estamos en busca de significado. Some people in contemporary philosophy think that we are meaning seekers, but that we are hardwired to to seek out meaning, even when there is no meaning. En el pensamiento filosófico contemporáneo se piensa que um, estamos um, tenemos digamos los circuitos para pensar para buscar el significado cuando en realidad no hay. That's as if to say, from an evolutionary point of view, that by making up meaning, es, we have a greater uh, hope of survival. De una forma dicen que esto, esto inventar un significado nos da una, una manera para sobrevivir. The point I'm making is that, that therefore, from an evolutionary point of view, m meaning is, has value. O sea que desde el mm -hmm. punto de vista evolutivo, mm -hmm. el significado tiene valor. Mm -hmm. uh, finding purpose enhances our capacity uh, to, to live. Buscar un propósito nos, mm, nos ayuda en nuestra... Mm. Mm, eh, bueno, en mejorar nuestra vida. So to at the same time philosophize that there is no meaning is not very good philosophy. <laughs> if all meaning is simply made up and a fantasy, but nonetheless serves a vital purpose for our survival, then we are free to make up the best meaning that we can come up with. So then if we come up with a religious and a spiritual meaning, hmm? 
and purpose in life that requires that we live with gratitude and to tread on the earth as softly as possible to as they say there used to be a bumper sticker in the United States uh, something like um, what was that um, uh, I can't remember <laughs> but uh, commit acts of uh, random acts of kindness So even from a materialistic point of view, hmm, it's hard to argue against the idea of Dharma presented uh, by the Hindus. Hmm. Which, as I mentioned, in a very general and beginning sense, means to live with with gratitude. To acknowledge our uh, dependence. To interact with nature. Hmm? By showing gratitude, I would say, is, is, is kind of a, a beginning of loving. And it's said that if you love someone, then they will show you all the secrets. In the modern world, many people have quite a different idea about how to interact with nature. Dispensing with the idea of God and the supernatural, at least in, in word, we position ourselves as the God. A God who makes robots who have no real meaning <laughs> but if we make them perfectly if we can make it perfectly replicate what is thought in materialism to be the human robot and prove that there's no God. Nothing supernatural. What will happen? That perfect human robot hmm? that will be thought to prove that we are but machines 
que se, se crearía para probar de que de hecho nosotros mismos somos, somos máquinas. What will that robot do? ¿Qué haría este robot? That robot will say, este robot a decir, Why am I? ¿Por qué <laughs> He will argue with the with his creator. <laughs> so it's very difficult to get away from this. Then hmm? why should we try? When the life that corresponds with the understanding that I am an Atman, Alma, hmm? a soul, that I have a spiritual destiny, Uh, mandates that we move in the world with generosity, with gratitude, um, with kindness, with love. Cuando este tipo de, eh, de, 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 de comprensión de que somos un alma y que nos empuja a vivir con gratitud, con gentileza, con amor. Yes, there are uh, religions that don't do that. Sí, hay religiones que no ocasionan esto. But mostly those are misinterpretations of those religions. We're talking about the core idea of a religion and we're using the word dharma. Mm. At their core, they're speaking in a general way, uh, along the lines that I'm speaking at the moment. In Hinduism, however, the idea is, is also further developed. And what the verses from the Gita that we want to speak about Uh, tonight um, talk about is the idea of Dharma that I've spoken about in general taken to its fullest uh, possible outcome. I said to live with gratitude and kindness is, is, a, is a loving way of moving in the world. So the exercise this evening then is to explore the possibilities of the extension of such a life full implications of loving. Entonces, el ejercicio de esta noche es de explorar el alcance último de este tipo de, de vivir y amar. Of course, we remember now, this is the dharmic loving that we're talking about. Acuérdense que estamos hablando de un tipo de eh, amor dharmico. A love in which we have gratitude for the powers of nature that we are dependent upon. Again, like to see, we're dependent upon the sun. Para ver, del sol. To speak, we're dependent upon the wind. Para hablar, de, mm. del aire, del 
and so on. The Hindu world, the Hindu universe, is a very enchanted one. Modern society has sought to disenchant the world. The Hindus posit gods and goddesses in charge of wind and sun and rain and so forth. These are thought to be primitive ideas for less intelligent people. And the Bhagavad Gita agrees. It says, those who worship the demigods they're less intelligent. Now, we just glorified that kind of life and now we're saying it's less intelligent at the same time. <laughs> There's still less intelligent people than those who worship the demigods. <laughs> those who don't worship at all those who have no gratitude mm -hmm. so we're going on a scale a ladder a trajectory mm, on a, uh, to the zenith of love what is Krishna's point in Bhagavad Gita when he says those who worship the gods and goddesses are less intelligent? To believe in them is less intelligent. He means that to believe in them, to have faith in them, hmm, they themselves are part of nature. The sun is part of nature. The wind is part of nature. Hmm? That might be a good idea if we ourselves were made <coughs> of nature. But the teaching, but the teaching of the Gita is that we are supernatural. As far as living in the world goes, that's a good idea. But we ourselves are more than the world. The world, matter, things, don't ask why. Those things are given meaning by those who ask why. Mm -hmm. 
They only take on meaning in nature only takes on meaning in relation to ourselves. Entiendes? So we are a unit of meaning, of value, of purpose. We are qualitative, subjective. Instead of quantitative and objective. We are not depth, width, length, uh, velocity. No matter how fast you can go, no matter how wide you can measure, hmm? no matter how deep you can go or how high you can go, You will not find yourself. Hmm? Self is of a qualitative nature, not a quantitative nature. Hmm? It's different than matter. Hmm? It matters. I don't know how that worked out in Spanish. <laughs> uh -huh. So, therefore, to move in the world religiously, kindly, um, with gratitude, but only with an aim to live happily in relation to matter will be to live at the cost of knowing the self. The Hindu gods and goddesses are made out of nature, if you will. Like the sun, the wind is made out of nature. We personify them. They are... Um, they are... In one sense, these gods and goddesses, they are projections of our own psychology or our psychology is a projection in the form of a microcosm of the macrocosm. De una forma, estos dioses son proyecciones de nuestra psicología, o mejor dicho, nuestra psicología es el aspecto microcosmico de esos aspectos macrocosmicos. And I, if I say that the gods and goddesses are projections of the human psychology, 
it's a little bit of a backwards way of talking about it. Hmm? But that doesn't mean to say that they don't exist. Your mind exists. There is something called mind. We have physical matter and psychic matter. And we have l'alma. This psychic matter is different from physical matter. Your psychology is different from your biology. Although there's some correspondence naturally between them. But the bio biological self is easier to, to dissect. It's more difficult to harness and dissect one's psychology. It's more subtle, the mind. But not less substantial. In one sense, the world is in the mind. We never really touch the world. Even in science, where that is the objective, we only really experience our own experience of matter. The virgin condition of matter that science seeks to uh, discover, and the, vir the, uh, yeah, the virgin condition uh, er, uh, in its virgin state, uh, as it is uh, in the virgin, uh -huh. hmm, can never be arri arrived at. That La condición de la materia en su estado más virgen que los científicos tratan de lograr nunca en realidad se puede lograr. And this mind stuff, it is, according to the Bhagavad Gita, it is the medium through which consciousness itself interacts with the physical world. The self, the alma, is a witness, is uh, a unit of will, wills and minds, physical and psychic matter, then um, move. Or their moving and generating capacity is turned on. Su capacidad de, de animarse eh, se, se enciende. 
just like the television or any machine, it has its power to do things as long as someone turns it on. So such is our position as, as a unit of consciousness in relation to mind and matter. Mind is very subtle and it, it, it reflects uh, the objective world of matter and and um, at the same time it can be taught to reflect inward on the self. And it can be harnessed to help us experience that we are consciousness. That we are independent of, of biology and psychology. That we have no beginning and no end. In other words, the psychological and biological reality is something that is uh, constrained by time and space. If the self, if consciousness is independent of mind and body, then it's not constrained by time and space, means it has no beginning, it has no end. So if by spiritual practice you begin to experience the self, the Atma, hmm? you will begin to experience this. You will experience something that we can put in words, but words do not do justice to. You will experience that I am eternal. There's absolutely nothing I could say to you that would convey the experience of being eternal. The best I could do was would be to speak about it as long as you would listen. In a compelling enough way that you would take up practices by which you would have the experience yourself. Such experience, you can intellectually understand, is the end of all suffering, all fear. All anxiety. We living constantly with anxiety. What will I eat? Where will I live? Where will I find love? 
Now that I've found love, how can I keep it? How can I get rid of it? <laughs> hmm? What should I wear tonight? What will people think of me? What did he mean? Did he think I felt, felt like this? <laughs> we are con constantly in a state of anxiety. We get a little relief from it temporarily from time to time. It's the end of that forever. In other words, if you knew the extent to which you existed, it would make your temporary biological and psychological sense of existence look as small and insignificant as it is. When I was about 11 years old, I fell in love with a girl. <laughs> and uh, in those days you didn't talk about it but other kids on the school bus in the winter would make a heart and say Tom loves Cindy <laughs> and uh, one day I found out that Cindy loved somebody else <laughs> that was very disconcerting to me so my mother she sat me down and she gave me a bigger picture of life and I thought, this is how to end all problems. They are only as troublesome as we don't see the bigger picture. So the, the entirety of our biological and psychological life that lasts for a few years, maybe hundred years, if you live in Madhuvan, it's a, it's a blue zone there. There's more centurions, you know, there percentage than in uh, other places. Uh, hundred years, a short time compared to eternity. Entonces, la, 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 la duración de la vida humana, aunque aquí en Guanacaste donde vivimos nosotros hay mucha, mucha gente de 100 años o más, comparado a la eternidad no es nada. So, uh, uh, to experience that you are eternal, this is huge. People want to know what is spirituality. 
A lot of people today say, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. But, but they kind of make up what is spiritual at the same time. They make up what it means. Yeah. You know, we chant Hare Krishna. One uh, friend of mine who was a disciple, a student of my guru, he was chanting and he reported to our guru that when I chant a blue light comes and surrounds me. And my guru said, keep chanting, it will go away. <laughs> So I'm trying to define for you the spiritual in a very practical way. In terms of the theory within Bhagavad Gita and in terms of my own experience. Bhagavad Gita is a very wise and very old book. These are some of the things that Krishna is speaking about in the Gita. How to live with gratitude in this world. And more than that, how to understand that you are not part of the natural world, but part of the supernatural. That the comings and goings and changes of the natural world have no effect upon you. You are sat. That means eternal. And it means without transformation. Everything around us transforms. Right? Hmm? From ashes to ashes. I think it's from the Bible. <laughs> hmm? Children become parents. They become grandparents. And practically, grandparents again become children. Isn't it? They have to be taken care of. They forget. They become very simple. They're moving into their next life. So the objective world is constantly transforming and we are observing the transformations. If we were part of the transformation, then we could not observe it. When you look in the sky, you see a plane is going very fast across the sky. 
Because you are separate from it, you can experience that. But if you ride in a plane, you are going 700 miles an hour, but you are part of that transformation, that movement. You don't experience it. You think I'm just sitting here. <laughs> Do you have any coffee? Otherwise, you would think, I can't drink coffee going 700 miles an hour. <laughs> of course, without drinking coffee, people can't go one mile an hour these days. <laughs> and very good coffee in Costa Rica, I'm told. But anyway, the point is that we are a unit of being and we don't undergo transformation, we're eternal. And this can be experienced. I can't prove it to you. And what you see of me or anyone else in terms of a bodily self, biological self, will die. So I can't prove it to you. But mystics, by their the way in which they live, if we have their association, their ideas that are that their experience, which is beyond words and thought, can nonetheless have an influence on us in such a way that we be become inclined to take up the same kind of lifestyle. They speak about the possibilities that all of us live and hope for. Not something foreign. I was speaking earlier today and I mentioned that the soul, the Atma, is writing the best movies. The best songs, the best books, in which everyone lives happily ever after. We say, that's beautiful, but it only happens in the movies. Hmm. Actually, it's happening in the self. Hmm. And consciousness is trying to express itself. Hmm. That I have no limitations. That I can't die. 
I am Batman. I am Superman. Bat Lady. Terminator. All kinds of movies. Extending the boundaries of our everyday physical and mental possibilities. Extender los límites de las posibilidades de possibilities. What can happen in our everyday life? We 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 live. The movies represent our desire to go beyond those. Las películas representan lo que es nuestro deseo de vivir más allá de lo que es nuestro día a día. We want Costa Rica to win the World Cup. Queremos que Costa Rica gane la Copa de Campeones. Something like this, and the whole world will dance. Y que todo el mundo baile. Hmm? Hmm? The impossible will happen. <laughs> this kind of that, that it is possible. It's possible. The impossible is possible. And human life, we're living like this. Our literature, our music, our, our drama, our political discourse. Is all the self, the Atma, seeking its its reality? Without knowing the, its own self, Sin saber mm -hmm. su trying to be what it is, Sin a sí misma, mm -hmm. de ser lo que ya es. without knowing that to to experience it, one has to go. Within. This is a beautiful idea. It's not a book idea. The book is there. It's trying to help us read the, what the world is saying, what what we are a statement of ourselves. These ideas of Bhagavad Gita are not ideas of the mind, they are ideas of experience. An effort to explain the experience of the mystics. Mm. That you live happily ever after. You are eternal. And you are a unit of knowing. What kind of knowing? Comprehensive knowing. Does that mean when you realize yourself, you know everything? No, not like that. Many things aren't worth knowing. You will have a kind of no experience, a kind of knowing by which you understand there's nothing else worth knowing. Hmm. We ha have a search for knowing. Hmm. You will arrive at a kind of knowing, ultimately, that puts you in a position 
for loving. En nuestra búsqueda de conocimiento llegaríamos a un tipo de saber que nos pone en la posición para amar. Even materially speaking, we say that if you want to love and get in a relationship, you better know yourself first. También materialmente hablando, se dice que si uno quiere embarcarse en una relación, debería conocerse a sí mismo antes. ¿Me entiendes? If you don't understand yourself and you haven't worked on yourself and know your own boundaries and and so on and so forth, then you just go out and try to find someone else to fix you and make you whole and so forth. That is that you're in a worse position to enter into a relationship. Si uno se conoce a él mismo lo que hay que, que, que arreglar en sí mismo y luego trata de meterse en una relación con otra persona que lo arregle a él o a ella, eso va a ser causa de problemas. So for loving, some knowing is required. Entonces para amar se requiere algo de conocimiento. And comprehensive knowing, knowing the self, puts us in a position for loving, comprehensive loving. Entonces, con, conocer de manera total, conocer el, el ser, nos pone en la posición de amar de manera total. At the same time, however, tiempo, in order for loving completely, para amar de manera completa, which is what we really want, que es lo que verdaderamente hmm? queremos, hmm? There is something else required. And that is a significant other. No translation for that. <laughs> it, it, we, we, need, we, need, we need someone to repose our love in. Someone to become one with. Hmm. Someone where you and I be, can become we, dynamic oneness. That cannot be anything from the objective world. Any biological or psychological combination. Hmm? We've left that behind. We're in the eternal realm. In that eternal, super subjective world of consciousness, there are different experiences. In this mundo eterno, supra subjetivo, hay muchas different experiences. Mm-hmm. One experience is that it's very peaceful. And the knowing is comprehensive. And there is the joy of no apprehension. If you are being bothered by many people, disturbed, disturbed, 
You may want to go in your room, just close the door, turn out the light. Ah, we get some peace, some, some relief. Some people experience transcendence like this. There's a room. It's quiet. And there's nobody there. In bhakti, however, we say there's a room. And you turn on the lights, you see, oh, there's a lot of people there. Mm. But nobody is bothering anybody. Mm. The difference, the differentiation between one person and another is something that ornaments the unity. The unity is that they've all found a center in which to repose their love. The perfect center. We started to show our love by showing gratitude. To nature. We, we, we worship the sun and we paid our respect to the wind and the rain. And gradually we came to see nature helps us to see by pointing us in the right direction that we are not made out of nature, we are supernatural. As I said, if you have proper regard for nature, then she will show you her secrets. Her secret is that she is, has a source. Same source as ourselves. The center of consciousness, superconsciousness. Mm. Uh, the, uh, the heart of the super subjective world. Mm. So she pointed us first to ourselves. When nature starts to reveal to us, so to speak, that that you are not made of nature. You you are you are part of God. We will think, what is God? And the answer is, well, in this world, the closest thing to God is is you. 
Because like you, God is Satchirananda, eternal, knowing, loving. Hmm? So know yourself. Hmm? Then you have some capacity to know God. Hmm? So from thinking that the world was the object of love, we move to the self being the object of love. We realize that we love things only because we project ourselves into them. Why do you love your house? Because it's yours. Because you're in it. Hmm? You've projected yourself into a material thing by the words mio. Hmm? But it's you that you love. Hmm? The self is the is the is the is the object of love in this world. Hmm? But now we're moving from loving things to loving the self to the self's capacity to love being enhanced by being in contact with its source. We move from the general idea of Dharma living with gratitude, a religious life, to a life of knowledge, wisdom. Moving from a religious life to a spiritual life. And we didn't make up the spiritual life like a blue light. Our experience corresponds with, with these great texts. From Dharma to Gyan to Bhakti, in which Dharma and Gyan are most beautiful and found in, a, in, a, in, 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 in perfection. What does Krishna say in the Gita? He says, Raja Bidja, Raja Kuhyam, Pavitram Idam Uttamam. He says to Arjuna, I'm going to give you the king of wisdom now. The highest knowledge. And it is dharmic. This is curious. Because generally it's thought we'll move from the dharma idea to the knowledge idea. Se que uno pasa de una idea de 
from moving with gratitude religiously in the world to sitting. And knowing the self with no need to move without desires. Hmm? So in this sense, knowing knowledge, wisdom, retires dharma. But when we come to bhakti, Krishna is saying, it is dharma and jnana together. It is the highest knowledge, but the highest knowledge is not such that it causes you just to sit. We can move out of incompleteness out of a perce- out of a perceived necessity we can also move out of fullness in celebration mm-hmm. there is a difference between karma and lila Hmm? And Lila is conducted by Bhakti. So in Bhakti, we have the wisdom of the self. And we have a certain kind of Dharma also. We call it Prema Dharma. So we've moved from Dharma to Prema Dharma and cross through wisdom on the course to, to arrive there. That's a long introduction <laughs> to the verse I was going to speak on. Hmm? In which Krishna speaks about the highest form of Dharma, Prema Dharma. This is what he begins to speak about here in four verses. Prema Dharma. Hmm. This uh, is what, as I mentioned, as I began, Vishwana Chakravarti Thakur says is the essence of the Gita. Krishna apparently in Bhagavad Gita is, 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 shows his Dira Prashanta personality. In Indian aesthetics, there are f- there are four different types of heroic uh, leading man uh, personality types. And Krishna is described as the perfect leading leading man in whom all of these different personalities are found 
en quien todos esos tipos de personalidades se pueden encontrar. Even though they, they're contradictory. Aunque se, aunque estén, estén en contradicción con la otra. You have to understand, when we're talking about the Krishna, we're talking about the perfect object of love. So, the leading man, if you will, in a drama, they are different types who will be loved by different types of people. Hmm? And Krishna is, is such that he can accommodate all the loving types. With all the different personalities are found in him. We're talking about a super being. Better, better than Batman. Much better. When Gita, typically, he is speaking, he's acting as the dear Prashanta. He's quite sober and, and he's giving a, a wisdom, very um, righteous. Like maybe you might find in, in whom? In like, like Ram? I forget, or maybe you just hear the dear Prashanta. Very righteous. Hmm? But here in these verses, we find another personality of Krishna expressing himself. Here the dear Lalita. And as far as leading men go in terms of their being lovers, the dear Lalita personality is the full face of of uh, of of loving la personalidad del del héroe del protagonista que se llama Diranadita es la la cara plena de 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 la mar why porque because the dear lalita porque Diranadita is subjugated by love es el que está subjugado por el amor Yudhisthira is not like that. Ram is not like that. He will go out of his way for Sita, but... He loves her. See, he will rescue her from Ravan. But he will banish her from the kingdom. For Dharma. Krishna will never do that. <laughs> hmm? Yes, Krishna appears to leave Vrindavan. Hmm? This is not in Vrindavan. Bhagavad Gita is not spoken in Vrindavan. But here in these verses, Vishwana Chakrabhitakur says, we hear the heartbeat of Krishna. We hear the dear Lalita personality speaking. And 
He says, I'm here, speaking about Dharma. But my heart is somewhere else. You know that Krishna is in Dwa lives in Dwaraka. You know Dwaraka? It's a metropolitan area. Hmm. Like San Jose. Hmm. But when he's there, physically, so to speak, he's actually more present in Vrindavan in his absence, apparent absence. Just like I could be here in San Jose, but my heart could be in Guanacaste. <laughs> and if you come there, then you see me as I am. Very simple. Hmm? So Krishna is more present in Vrindavan in his absence than he is in Dwarka in his presence. Hmm? How do we know that? Hmm? Because we look and we see the love of Krishna in Vrindavan. Hmm? How can there be love of Krishna without Krishna? The love there exceeds the love of Dwaraka. Therefore, he must be there. Hmm. The love of gopis and gopas hmm, corresponds with the full face of Krishna. Hmm. Now he's at Kurukshetra. But it's not the only time he's been there. Previously he was there. And he met with the gopas and gopis. And what did he say at that time? Said, My heart is always with you. I'm here. Going through the motions. But my heart is always with you. Mm. So he's conquered by that love. He's subjugated by Radha's love. <coughs> so this way, Vishwanath Chakritakar says, these verses are the essence of the Gita. The Gita is about Krishna and about loving Krishna. Hmm? Therefore, the essence of the Gita must be about the most, the fullest conception of loving Krishna. In the fullest conception of loving Krishna, Krishna will be most completely present. This is his reasoning by which he concludes These verses are the essence of the Gita. It, it's hard to deny that the Bhagavad Gita is about loving Krishna. <laughs> mm. 
negar que el Bhagavatiza trata de, de lo que es el amar a Krishna. And he himself says that there are different types of loving me. He says, as people love me, I reciprocate accordingly. Respond. So in these verses we hear the Krishna of Vrindavan speaking. He's speaking about Dharma. He's in Kurukshetra. Hmm. Certainly his mind will go to the to 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 the previous time that he was present there. And in trying to explain love of himself to Arjun, he has to tell the whole give the whole full lesson. Mm. So we call that kind of love Ragbhakti. Mm. These verses are about what we call Rag Anuga Bhakti. Anuga means to follow. So to follow the way of Rag. Raga means attachment. When you're attached, you do unbecoming things. Right? Let's say we come for dinner. And you are very hungry. And you are very attached to pizza. So you sit and everyone's eating. And then someone says, well, there's one more piece. Who wants it? And if you are very, <laughs> if you are very hungry and very attached, you will embarrassingly say, I'll take it. Your, your greed will cause you to act in an embarrassing way. Mm. But driven by the greed, well, it doesn't matter to you. Mm. So this rag means attachment to Krishna. It makes us act in embarrassing ways. That is the whole of Vrindavan. Krishna is God. And in Vaikuntha, they are thinking, you cannot act like that with God. To tie him up, as Mother Jasoda is tying him, to wrestle him to the ground. You don't act like that with God. Hmm. How embarrassing. Hmm. This is Vrindavan. 
The force of attachment causes them from a theological point of view I should say from the point of view of reverential love of God which is the normal idea of loving God with reverence at a distance from that point of view this Brindaban love is very unbecoming and thus the people involved in that love are depicted and experienced as being kind of unsophisticated <laughs> lacking culture jungle people <laughs> cow people vaqueros they are not very sophisticated type <laughs> hmm? if you live with cows uh, then you become like cows <laughs> so this is a very interesting uh, theological uh, concept mm -hmm. but it's one in which we are afforded theologically speaking the possibility of intimacy with the Godhead we are introduced to the culture of a love that has the power to subdue the Godhood of the Godhead. Which is a theological necessity for there to be intimacy. If I know that I'm sitting next to the infinite, I might get a little nervous. <laughs> so, the, the it's necessary for the infinite to take a finite-like form for the sake of intimacy with the finite like ourselves. This is the idea of Vrindavan. Krishna, the cowherd. And as these four verses begin, that cowherd is speaking, Shamsundar. And he says something very extraordinary. He says, maybe we'll continue tomorrow <laughs> with what he says. He's going to speak about himself in such a way that we can get the enthusiasm and understanding of how to approach him and experience him in love, in intimacy. 
empuja a tener el entusiasmo para acercarnos a él, a él de una forma en que vamos a um, intimacy. Vamos a lograr intimidad. So you can read the verse tomorrow or tonight yourself. This is the eighth verse of the tenth chapter of Bhagavad Gita. Then you will know you won't have to come tomorrow. <laughs> But there's an idea that in in it it In, it comes in these four verses that even upon reading, if we come together and discuss it, something more will come. Hmm? So, I'll be speaking, I'll start with the verse tomorrow. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yes. Any question? Sí. Is the mind an independent being that lives in the body with us? The mind is independent of, of the body. La mente es independiente del cuerpo. The body comes out of the mind. El cuerpo tiene su origen en, origen en la mente. Physical matter comes out of psycho, psychic matter. La materia física es el producto de la materia psíquica. Materialistic philosophers, many of them, think that the mind, psychic reality comes out of the physical reality. En cambio, que la realidad psíquica sale de la física and depends upon it. But the teaching of the Gita is, is the reverse in this regard. Hmm? That the physical comes out of the psychic. So there's two types of matter. This is a, from a philosophical uh, perspective in today's uh, contemporary philosophy. This would be called something like property dualism. Property dualism. A dualism of properties. Yeah. Hmm? So there's matter with physical properties and matter with psychic properties. That's not a popular idea, but there are good arguments for it. And in that regard, we are property dualists. But in contemporary philosophical language, we are also substance dualists. Because we see that consciousness is a different substance. Not a different property of matter. A different substance altogether. And in t terms of contemporary philosophy today, we are also 
panpsychists. Because we say that consciousness is a different substance from mind, psychic and physical matter, Because we say that consciousness is a different substance from mind and matter, it's not dependent on a brain, human brain. Therefore, we say it's everywhere, panpsychic. So there's consciousness everywhere. As they say, all, all the way down. Hmm? All the way down, yeah, to the bottom. At the bottom of everything, there's consciousness. Stones are an idea, but stones don't have ideas. Antinous? I say, this is a stone. What do you think a worm calls it? What does a bird call it? Hmm? What does an animal call a stone? You see, stone is an idea. It's our idea. We've categorized matter, a form of matter. Hmm? So stone is an idea, but stones don't have ideas. That's the difference between us and matter. Hmm? Everything is an idea, hmm? in one sense. It's all the idea of God. Hmm? It's all the idea of God. So consciousness is at the bottom. Hmm? It's, it precedes everything. If I say, I'm dead, that has no meaning. I'm dead. That has no meaning, right? Hmm? That's called a performative uh, contradiction. Hmm? So, so to deny consciousness as being foundational the most fundamental thing is like saying I'm dead because in order to deny anything there has to be consciousness the act of denying or accepting anything is a consciousness act so we are property dualists, substance dualists, 
panpsychists, and non-dualists. Hmm? The Bhagavatam says we are non-dualists. We spend a lot of time saying that there's a there's a difference between matter and consciousness. But we also say they're one. How are they one? They're both shaktis of Krishna. Hmm? So there's only Krishna. So we are non-dualist. There's only one thing. Hmm? <laughs> and that is God. And that God is constituted of shaktis. He is the Shaktiman and he is possessed of Shaktis. We are constituted of one of his Shaktis. Matter is another Shakti. Bhakti is another Shakti. Hmm? So, whatever exists will always exist. Whatever does not exist will never exist. We are one of the Shaktis of God. We better get used to one another. <laughs> so, do you understand? Yeah. Okay. Anything else? Yes. I have a quick question now. It will be easier to reconcile what is natural and supernatural or what is biology or psychology if we have faith. But how can we obtain faith? Yeah. La pregunta es, sería fácil conciliar lo que es psíquico y biológico yeah. Well, I think that um, the answer, of course, is by 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 Sadhusanga. Sadhusanga should compel us to act in such a way that we have actual experience. And having experience, this is really what we mean by faith. As opposed to belief. Faith then is a kind of knowing. If you have faith, then you don't have any doubt. Hmm? Now we live in a world of doubt, right? Do you have any doubts about anything? So many. So we live in a world of doubt. So the question is, there is we know there's a world of doubt. What is that world of doubt? It's the function of the intellect. To doubt, to question. Hmm? So then the question is, 
if there's a world of doubt, is there a world of faith? It's difficult to have a world of doubt if there's if there's if there's not a world of faith. Hmm. Doubt is absence of faith. And doubting is the function of the intellect. So the question is: Is there anything beyond intellect? Should intellect be on the altar. Will, if it is, to be the most worshipable thing, then it should be such that intellect on it unto itself can make us perfectly happy. That means it can bring us to perfect knowledge. If intellect is perfect, if worshipable, then it should be able to, unto itself, bring us to the kind of action because, because all action is informed by by knowledge, action by which we could become perfectly happy. But the fact is that that, that intellect is is never conclusive. It's the world of doubt. <laughs> That's what it is. Hmm? Huh? Unto itself, it can never do away with doubt. It is a doubter by nature. You try it. You think about anything long enough and you can doubt it. It doesn't matter what it is. Hmm? You take two different sides of a political debate. Start on one side and think about it. And if all prejudices are put aside, in time you will find yourself on the other side. In fact, the reason that people take different sides is not because of intellect. It's because of an attachment. A psychological predisposition. Hmm? We think it's by logic, by reasoning, we're making our determinations, but we're, we're really, only in a, in a small way we are doing that. Hmm? Hmm? So, by intelligence alone, we will never come to conclusive truth. There's a logic to that. <laughs> right? What is the saying from the sutras? Tarko Pratishtanat. By, by, by logic, reason, 
you will never get any firm footing. Any reasoning can be overturned by another reasoning. Given time. Hmm? So, if we <laughs> if we want to arrive at, uh, at at perfect happiness, that means without doubt, where I can move freely. Like when I'm home as a child, I feel love for my parents. So I have no doubt. Mother says, here, eat. So we, we eat. Hmm. We grow up a little bit, we go to another country. Somebody offers us something to eat. We ask, what's in it? You want to read the label? Hmm? So you're moving with some caution. An intellect-driven life is a life in which we proceed with caution. It's not a free movement. It's not happy. It's not like being at home. Hmm? You understand? It's foreign to us. Me entiendes? Hmm? So you should put intellect in its place. It's a foreign land. Hmm? It's not you. Hmm? You are not your intellect. Hmm? It can never satisfy you. It can never, it, it, it doubts, that's all it does, what it does. Now you can use intellect in a spiritual way. Hmm? How do you use that? To bring yourself home. Hmm? And how will you go home? Not with just intellect. For home going, you need a home knowing person. When a home-knowing person speaks, then in, and in English we say, it hits home. It touched my heart. I had a kind of knowing. And it was happy. Hmm? Intellect has to be retired. It has to be made subordinate to the self. Now it asks whether I should serve or not. And in Vrindavan it asks, how shall I serve the best? Even in sadhana it asks, how may I serve the best at any given time? When you use your, your head to soften your heart and the softening of the heart is manifest in the form of serving. 
You have two choices, to serve or to take. <coughs> Which is better? Hmm? And we say that real getting is found in giving. So am I clearing your doubts? Real getting is in giving. The self is 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 a particle of the homeland, Atma. Let us say you get walking in the jungle, and you get stuck by a thorn. You have no knife to pull it out. What will you do? You take another thorn and use the thorn to take out the thorn. Hmm? So our physical, mental, and intellectual faculties they all become used by bhakti in our interest. In sadhana bhakti we think we are doing bhakti. When we become mature in bhakti, in bhava bhakti, then we will understand, oh, bhakti was doing me. <laughs> and it's okay. Hmm? I was being done by matter, by maya shakti. Now I'm being done by by Sarup Shakti, by Bhakti. And the beauty in that is that 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 myself as a unit of will is is able to express itself. If you give yourself to matter, Maya Shakti you will lose your will almost. Hmm? Hmm? The actions under the influence of Maya Shakti, the sung scars, the impressions that come from this will cause us to continue to do the same actions again and again. Practically, your, your will will be, will be suppressed. But under the Sarup Shakti, it comes to the surface. Hmm. And you can choose to serve Bhagavan. Hmm. And some, some coward boys like bananas. Some like mangoes. Hmm. And Krishna likes both of them. Both boys. Hmm. So they have some 
desires in relation to the Swarup Shakti. All of which is centered on pleasing Krishna. That is the world of faith. There are no doubts there. The bhakti is automatic. It's not a calculated bhakti. It's automatical. Hmm? Hmm? The identification with Krishna is so strong. It's like your identification with your body. When you, if, let's say you, 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 you stub your toe. You don't think, my toe is hurting. I, I should grab it. I should say, ouch. It's automatic. Hmm? So in Vrindavan, the identification with Krishna is like our identification with our body. Hmm? Thinking is retired. Hmm? How nice. Something like that. We call Gyan Shunya Bhakti. Bhakti unencumbered by, by, by knowledge. Mm. So, anyway, we have doubts about Krishna, about the philosophy, and so forth, but this is, uh, this is natural. The world of in, in the worldly environment is, is not a, f a faith-producing uh, environment. Practically speaking, the world is telling you over and over again, more or less, if you have a good sex life, your life is successful. This is a very different idea than what we're speaking about here. Hmm. Hmm. But uh, and 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 the, for example, corporations they they have a whole they know everything about you. They know everything about you. It's like you go on the computer, right, and you look up. Um, I want to get some uh, some I, I want to get um, a a uh, a television. So you look at a couple televisions hmm, on the internet and then Next time you go on the internet, you go on to Facebook, and then, then next to it there's an advertisement for television. You open up the news 
and there's advertising for television. The end of that is God knows everything about you. <laughs> so, my point is that 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 we are very our the modern society is the corporate world is becoming so um, plugged in to your psychology and uh, that it's it if you it's very difficult for you to be an independent kind of thinker uh, although you're led to believe that you are it's such a good example of of of, of maya shakti hmm? La sociedad moderna es un ejemplo. La sociedad entonces te hace que uno piense menos por uno mismo. La sociedad entonces piensa por ti. So, and, and the world wants you for its uh, small-minded purposes. El mundo lo lo quiere por su por su propósito pequeño de de mentalidad restringida but it's all promoted in such a way as to make us feel that we are doing our own thing pero todo está promocionado de manera que nosotros nos sentamos nos sentamos como que estamos haciendo lo que queremos nosotros we're making all our own choices. I saw an advertisement for shoes. And there was a shoe footprints. Going, going, going. Hmm? The advertisement was walk your own path. The, in these shoes you will walk your own path just give us your money <laughs> and you will walk you will do your own thing <laughs> just an example so I'm just saying and you understand that the environment is not very conducive for having faith in bhakti so we, so we need a bhakti environment. Mm. And then we can have some experience of the homeland, of the heart. <laughs> Who knows what that bat was in its last life? Hare Krishna. Okay. So, could you lead us into Kirtan for just a few minutes? Okay, head Madanga.